As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for this preview edition. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and we will be talking a boatload about this upcoming matchup between the Bills and the Colts. A Colts team that has really turned around their season after some early adversity. They started the year 1-4. and four. They're four and one over their past five games. They're now five and five on the season and right in the playoff mix. And they seem to be a pretty imposing team that's coming into the uh, the confines of Highmark Stadium and for the Bills' uh, first home game in a couple of weeks. And uh, and surely should be an intriguing matchup for a for a lot of different reasons and um, one that uh, might be a bit uh, a bit closer than the last few that the that the Bills uh, have had to prepare for. Well, at least, you know, the Jacksonville game probably should have gone the other way. But, of course, the Bills didn't play their best that week. But the Jets game, the Dolphins game, we all kind of knew what uh, what the Bills were getting into with, with those two opponents. But when you look at this matchup, there are so many different reasons that, that lead you to believe that, hey, this, this could be a, a pretty tight game on Sunday. So we'll get into the matchup. Um, the specific components of the matchup moving forward um, at, later on in the show. And I also wanted to get the complete look at how the Colts have kind of turned around their season so far this year, because it's been remarkable. It's not often that you see a team that, that starts off the way that the Colts did and turn it around to the point in which they are challenging legitimately for one of the uh, one of the wildcard positions in, in the AFC postseason th- this year. And that leads to a lot of questions as to how they have done it and and certainly things that maybe have changed for them moving forward and certainly some of their, their strengths and weaknesses as well. So we'll be speaking with uh, one of our best writers at The Athletic, without question. He's our, uh, he's our Colts beat writer. His name's Zach Kiefer, and he just does an incredible job Great guy, super excited to get him on the show, and uh, and he he's gonna give us the expertise about th- these Colts and maybe some areas to exploit, maybe some areas that the Bills might have to worry about, and uh, really the lowdown on on a lot of their their star players that maybe have struggled this season so far. So we'll we'll uh, speak with Zach Kiefer in just a bit, but the first place I wanted to start the show was is with some of the Areas that maybe the result of the Jets game kind of covered up um, and how the Bills can kind of march forward this week and some ideas for how to maybe extend their window a bit and a, a bit of a different lens to to look at, uh, at how to approach the rest of their season. I do want to begin with, Something that 
you know, if you read my all 22 this this past week, it was mostly highlighting all the good things that happened, right? I mean, because how how could you not? The the Bills won 45 to 17. They completely dominated in most stages of the game and you know, you saw how the offense performed. Their yards per attempt was ridiculous. Um, especially their yards per attempt when going to two tight end sets was was outstanding. I, I believe it was at eleven point three yards per play, not not uh, not yards per um, yards per attempt in the passing game, but eleven point three. That includes rushing plays too, which is kind of wild. But so so they got that under control. The defense was phenomenal again, and they forced a ton of turnovers they really just made Mike White look like the journeyman backup that he is and that's not necessarily meaning that he's uh, that there's anything wrong with that but there was a, a lot of bluster leading up to that game about Mike White and the Bills basically showed okay well he's he's just kind of a guy and it led to the Jets benching him in favor of Joe Flacco for this upcoming game when when the Jets are taking on the Dolphins. So that should be fun. But be it as it may, the Bills' defense played spectacularly. The uh, the secondary was awesome. the The linebackers with AJ Klein and Matt Milano there were 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 both excellent. And and certainly um, when Mike White was hanging on to the ball because he does like to get the ball out quickly the Bills were getting some heat and taking advantage of those matchups along the offensive line. So all of those things were positive, right? I mean, you you can't really go too far into the negative with, with that result. But the one thing you you try to look for in games like that is hints of the future. And I think that is where I want to kind of focus our attention for today's show. The and we'll we'll begin with the the negative side of things and maybe how it kind of lends itself to the upcoming matchup. You know that game was the first time um, since week one that we have seen the Bills operate without their starting defensive tackle star Latulale. So Latulale, hours before the Bills Jets game began, he was added to the reserve COVID list and was unable to play for obvious reasons. And so the Bills had to go into that game with a starting duo of Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver. And I will sit here and tell you, Ed Oliver is he's starting to make those flash plays that everybody wanted from him. And it's coupling with the already consistent level of play that he was showing over his first two seasons. So now that those flash plays are starting to come, he's becoming an impact defender in the middle of that defense. And as a run defender, he's always been pretty solid. There'll be some plays where he gets knocked down to one knee. But I mean, for a 290 pound guy, um, he's able to you know, switch over to the one technique when they need him to. And uh, he can actually hold his own at, at the point of attack. Very strong guy. And so the, there's no worries there. Harrison Phillips is really sneakily having the best season of his career. And everyone thinks about how he began the year in uh, 2019, right before he tore his ACL. And he was definitely great because he was making flash plays over those first few weeks. But kind of inconsistent against the run and that's one area they they've been really trying to build him up to and so far this season I think he's been pretty good um when you have all of those uh all of those different elements to his game and what to think about the fact that he's able to control the line of scrimmage as well as he has been and getting it um getting it under control to the point where they can trust him in a in a starting role. He played 60% of snaps against the Jets. He was great. Um, and that's just been kind of a, a a constant for him so far this season. So that's good to see, especially for the Bills having him in a, in a contract year. There could be some potential for them to uh, even bring him back 
um, next year if they're will if he's willing to sign on maybe a a smaller contract or you know maybe you know they just they they want to get him under contract and so maybe even moving forward because Star Latula is up there in age to move on into the next phase of their defensive building. But that's a conversation for a different day. So Phillips has been solid. Ed Oliver has been solid. So when when those those things are good, that is a uh, that's fine. But when those two leave the field and Latulale is not available to them, there's a bit of trouble here, folks. And I think it's I don't want to overtalk the point, but it is worthy of consideration because the Bills went from having a ton of depth at defensive tackle to being pretty minimalistic at this point. You have Oliver and Phillips and Latulale when when he's available to them that is still is still a solid group. But you couple Latulale being on the reserve covid list with Justin Zimmer ahead of the Let's see, ahead of the Jets game, tearing his ACL. So that was another blow to their defensive depth. And that happened before they were able to, uh, they they knew about Latulale hitting the reserve COVID list. So for that Jets game, they were essentially down to three defensive tackles. They called up Brandon Bryant from the practice squad, but they made him inactive. I think that was just to kind of keep them afloat. But you look at how the how the Bills handled it. They ended up going with Vernon Butler as their rotational piece because he is the only other healthy defensive tackle that they had on the active roster. And then they paired him basically with F.A. Obata. And it wasn't a two-on, two-off the entire game, but there was a lot of times where Obata and Butler were out there at the same time. And even when they weren't, even when... When the two guys were in there, you could see some major deficiencies when defending the run. And the the Jets do not have a great offensive line. So when you have those elements mixing in and you're forcing Vernon Butler to go back into that one technique role that he was just okay at last season, when you looked at it in the confines of things, it, I, I don't... I mean, if we're being honest, I don't really know where Vernon Butler fits as a, as a defensive tackle at this point because he's not prolific enough as a penetrator to play three technique. He's not stout enough to occupy blockers and to hold his hold his spot at one technique. So I'm he's just it's just kind of a curious he's just kind of a curious player, even though he has a bunch of talent and they think he can be so much more than he is. It just it's just not there, and it and it hasn't been. But you're forcing him into the role as the one technique, which, as a run defender, he's the Jets showed he could they can move him around, and that's one of the I'd, I would say five or six worst offensive lines in the NFL. So that's a cause for concern. And then when you have F.A. Obata out there, who by all means, you know, he brings the versatility, and that's that's a good point for them. But when you ask him to move inside and to play defensive tackle as his as the position of his base, that's when things start to generate a little bit of concern. Because while he gives you some good pass rushing energy from the interior from that three technique spot. He's not what you need as a run defender. And he's a tall guy, long arms, and he plays a little upright for that defensive tackle spot. Guys will get into his pads. They can move him around. And we saw that against the Jets, uh, especially on the film from the end zone angle. And when you have those two guys getting a legitimate amount of snaps, if Latulale isn't available, um, for this Colts game. And, you know, we don't know. Could could extend it in the Saints game, too. You 
you, you never know with with uh, the reserve COVID list. It's one of those things that is just completely unpredictable. So when you have those elements to the game and you're going up against a bit of a better offensive line, like, by the way, the one that the Colts have, that is a recipe for the Bills' run defense when one of those two guys are out there, or even both of those two guys are out there, for the Bills' run defense to look a lot more similar to what we saw last year. Like, Obata at defensive tackle almost feels reminiscent of how they handled it with Quentin Jefferson. And I know you might be thinking, okay, well, why didn't they struggle without Latule against the run um, week one against Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, similarly, did not have a great offensive line. I think the key difference there is Justin Zimmer is one was one of their better run-defending defensive tackles, especially in a rotational role. Certainly better than Vernon Butler. Certainly better than F.A. Obata. And they lose that in addition to Latulale. And so now you're moving into territory where you have kind of a similar look to last year to where you're not super um, super big up front. And that was one of the, the big things that Brandon Bean discussed in the offseason about how they just didn't he didn't feel like they were big enough at defensive tackle so they have phillips and so he'll he'll suffice but even he's you know i think i think he's a prototypical one technique maybe a little bit smaller than they would prefer but you know what have you he's he's still more prototypical than any of the other guys that they have but remember what they were dealing with last year like phillips ed oliver quinton jefferson um Vernon Butler and, you know, Zimmer finally started to crack into the rotation as the season went on. But, you know, they just, it was just a constant struggle to figure out who was going to be able to hold the point of attack attack, and help out the second level defenders to be able to thwart the run. And some weeks they did a better job of it. But a lot of the time, it was it was a struggle. So that's something to keep an eye on it, for as long as Star Latulale is out. So was, when he's in, you're they're they're pretty okay because they've got Phillips who's playing well and Latulale. But anytime Butler is on the field or Obata, I think the opponent should look to run at them, and that could be a bit of a story storyline for this game in particular because the Colts are so adept at rushing the ball and we'll get into that more but certainly when you think about how this game could go on Sunday so that's just something to keep an eye on the other thing from a more positive perspective based on the way that you look at it is the offense and how they have handled their wide receiver rotation lately you know this is Getting to be, and we talked about this a bit on the the post game show of uh, on Sunday with Matt Beauvais, but the Bills were starting to incorporate Gabriel Davis a bit more against the Jets than maybe we were anticipating, and you know we saw him have some more uh, pass catching opportunities. Ran I think thirteen routes throughout the game had about 30-ish snaps in the game, he was involved and a lot more involved than we had seen. And it wasn't just because the Bills were blowing out the Jets. He was involved earlier than that. Specifically at the expense of Cole Beasley, who the last couple of weeks, they have basically rested even though they have made him active. And... It brings about an interesting concept for the season. The Bills are relatively young at a lot of different positions, right? Like, you look along the offensive line, pretty young for the most part. Uh, The running back room is basically young. Quarterback, young. Defensive line, basically uh, outside of Addison, Hughes, and and Latulale, you know, basically pretty young. Those guys have... um, those guys have le- those rotational pieces that they mix in to where 
It's not as big of an issue throughout the season. But when you're playing guys close to 85, 90, 95, 100% of snaps, like you do with the receivers, and when you have a couple of those receivers being up there in age, you kind of wonder if maybe the Bills are going about this a bit of the way of the NBA. Like load management is a, a term that has become popular over the last two or three years. And we've seen NBA teams do it with their stars because their season is so long that they they get them some rest throughout the year. And that helps them find their peak once they get to the playoffs, <clears throat> which is all well and good if you're going to be a playoff team. So the Bills are at the point now where they're 6-3 and three on the season. And they still have some opponents remaining on their schedule that are not great. I mean, they've got another date with the Jets. Uh, you know, the, they've got the the Falcons still to go, and the Falcons uh, have not looked good in recent weeks. The Panthers, who are kind of up and down. So there's, there's a few winnable games remaining, and they're already at the six-win mark. They do have some some tough tests coming coming up as well, so don't get me wrong there. A couple of games with New England, Indianapolis, and uh, New Orleans certainly can be a, a test on Thanksgiving, especially on the road. So there's there's certain ways you have to look at the schedule from here on out. But the Bills are probably going to be a playoff team, and they have <clears throat> for their starting trio of receivers. They have some of the oldest receivers going here. So what we've seen the last two weeks with Cole Beasley is they did not, they basically did not use him in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. They did not give him a single snap against the Jets this past week. So they're kind of resting him in game without making him totally inactive. And I wonder because of the injury, the ribs injury that he has, I wonder if maybe that's a staple moving forward. You know, on the post game show, I thought to myself, it might be good for them to sit him the next couple of games because it's two games in 11 days, and then they've got a huge break after that uh, before their Monday night showdown against the Patriots at Highmark Stadium. I think the Bills might be more... uh, It would be more beneficial to them if they were to maybe even continue along the same track to where keep him active and it's just kind of like a fail safe option there you know you you get him rest but you manage his reps enough to where you're not putting a full workload on the guy and allowing him to heal a bit but you're still allowing yourself the opportunity to put him in the game if you truly need him and that that is an intriguing concept to me because it's it's a 17-game season now. <clears throat> and having both of those guys be well into their 30s uh, in the confines of the NFL because once, like, 30 to 35 is usually the, the spot where we start to talk about retirement and anything past 35 is like, okay, what is that guy, how is that guy still in the league? So with Sanders at 34, Beasley at 32, like they're they're right up there with a lot of uh, a lot of consideration as to okay how much longer is this guy going to be playing? So extending that potential for them to be impact players down the stretch is going to be really big for this team, especially with how much they have put on their plate early on in the season. So now they're at a point where they're six and three. They're going up against Colts team, which is good, not great. And Beasley's a bit banged up. Sanders gets a vet rest day once a week, but hasn't really shown any signs of injury. But it really might be in their best interest to not only, and this is a part I talked about on Sunday, to limit some of the reps to Emmanuel Sanders because they do have the benefit of having both Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis on the roster but also to do the same thing with Colt Beasley. So this might just be a an exercise of continuing to manage their reps, which is 
probably frustrating from a fantasy football perspective for people who like to start the Bills because it's a high-yielding passing offense most weeks, and you want to be able to grab a hold of any one of those guys. But having Davis waiting in the wings for them, who I think they probably look at as a potential starter next year, having that happening for them is... is really tempting to utilize more often as the the season starts to wear down and you want to keep Sanders and Beasley fresh. Same thing with McKenzie, who has shown enough good plays in the slot to help them be able to get by without Cole Beasley. There's a a lot to be said for this potential of load management moving forward. So, you know, not, I don't think they'll overdo it and, you know, they'll have these guys totally a part of the game plan for uh, the big weeks, but I think there, there are some opportunities moving forward here. Um, Whether it's this game against the Colts or because of the short turnaround uh, next week on Thursday against the saints, I think for them moving forward, being able to utilize the depth at receiver to really hammer the point home of having everything at their disposal in the playoffs and being able to empty it out and play their best when it matters most. I mean, don't get me wrong. The regular season matters, but they're at six and three. They probably only need to get four more wins to get in the postseason. And uh, for obviously, they're going to want to win the division. They're going to want home playoff games. They would like the number one seed, everything like that. But they also know that they have the team to do accomplish all their goals. And if the defense is playing as well as it is, it affords them the potential opportunity to manage some of these reps for their older players. So it's just a, it's just something to keep an eye on moving forward. It's something I I've been thinking about a lot over the past week. And um, certainly the, that Jets game has opened up my eyes to the possibilities of that and maybe the run defense maybe being a, a little bit taken advantage of this coming week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we'll get to the ins and outs of the matchup and the prediction and everything like that in just a minute. But before we do that, we need to hear about what the Colts are from someone who does an incredible job of covering them. Uh, he's a terrific writer. He knows exactly what's he's got the he's got the pulse of what's happening with with the Colts and really how they've kind of turned their entire year around. Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for the Athletic. Um, Zach, thanks so much for jumping on the Buffalo beat here. We are extremely excited to have your expertise on the show. That was very, very kind of an intro, probably too kind, but, um, <laughs> happy to do it. This is a big one for Indy. So I'm, I'm excited. It feels like if I'm doing a pre, a pregame podcast and it's a, it's a pretty big game because we've had the Jags and the Jets the last couple of weeks and, and I need something more, some bigger stakes. Hey, likewise, uh, Jags and Jets, the last two for <laughs> for the Bills as well. It's, they just uh, flipped them, right? That's hilarious. Right, yeah. A couple of uh, doormats in the AFC that weren't as really as much of a doormat for the Bills a couple weeks ago. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so the Colts have completely flipped things around here. And I'm curious, just from your perspective, when did this whole thing kind of 
turn for them because they started one and four and now they're sitting there at five and five on film. They look like a, a legit playoff caliber sort of team. So when did this kind of turn around for them? Yeah, it turned around when they got healthy, you know, to put to put it in simple terms. I mean, they just weren't ready to play at the start of the year. And, and the quarterback missed all of training camp with the foot injury. So did the left tackle, the left guard. I mean, the whole offensive line was in shambles. So they just weren't ready. And they played like crap. I mean, they, they got beaten week one. They got routed by the Seahawks. The score wasn't even indicative of how big of a route it was. So, mm. you know, they go one and four. And the killer was really the Ravens game. They were up 22-3 to in the second half. They were completely dominating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in Baltimore. And their kicker got a sore hip and he started missing field goals and they just collapsed. So that was really the 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 low point was that buff was that um, Baltimore loss. But they played good football since. I don't want to say they played great football since. I still think the Colts are somewhere in the realm of mediocre. They've not beat a team that made the playoffs last year. They've not beat a team above 500 this year. That's what they're searching for. This is why this is such a big game, because this is their chance to really climb up in a muddled AFC playoff race to kind of say, like, we're going to be here through the at least early part of January, and we're going to make a run. This is a team that should be in the playoffs this year. You remember the game last year, the wild card game that went down to the very end. Um, They expect to be in the playoffs, and to do that, they're going to have to beat good teams like the Bills. So this is a huge, huge chance for Frank Reich and his team. Yeah, and I mean, just watching, you don't often see a team start that way and get to this level this quickly, like get back to five. I'm sure the schedule certainly helps. But it all it's, it's kind of reminiscent of a, the Colts team from, I think it was maybe 2018, 2017, where they started off like crap yep. and they actually had a really good team and ended up getting to the postseason. It it kind of it kind of looks that way. I'm, it's much different, of course, because different coach, different quarterback, everything. But it kind of feels similar. Yeah, they keep talking about that, and it's different because you had Andrew Luck then, and he was probably playing his best season as a pro. But that was Reich's first year. They started one and five, and I think mm-hmm. only two teams since the merger have started one and five and made the playoffs. The Colts are one of them. They finished ten and six. They won. 9 out of 10, 10 mm. out of 11 if you include the wild card win in Houston. So they have the ingredients, they have the belief, they just haven't finished off good teams. So they'll get up, they'll get up two scores, they'll get up double digits against all these good teams, and they'll find a way to cough it up. That's going to be interesting about Buffalo on Sunday. I think they're going to play well, but can they finish? Because they haven't finished all year. Yeah, um, so... We can't talk too long about the Colts without getting into the the guy who they traded for at quarterback. Um, took over for Phillip Rivers. Carson Wentz, um, he's been kind of, not kind of, very maligned on the Twitter sphere uh, from what he did in Philadelphia last year. It was a kind of an ugly exit for him. But he's, it seems as though, at least from a statistical perspective, he's kind of turned it around a little bit so far uh, for Indianapolis. I mean, just looking at some of his... His advanced uh, metrics, like like his completion percentage is up, his time, his average time to throw is down from what it was last year, but his, his interceptions are down. Uh, but even though those things are good, um, his average yards per attempt is down. So what have you seen from Carson Wentz that has helped him get to a bit more of a consistent player than what he was last year? Yeah, he's been really good. The body of work tells you he's been really good. And, and he's sort of this lightning rod on Twitter and with like the national media. Like they seem to harp on the the idiotic plays that he will make. And like, I'm not excusing those plays. They are so dumb. Some of the things he does. He's thrown left handed twice this year, which should never happen once. But <laughs> uh, that's Carson, right? That's a Carson Wentz experience. All told, he's been really good. He's been really good. He's added an element to this offense that they simply did not have the last two years. He's he's mobile in the pocket. And he's got a cannon for an arm. And they've got a development. They've got a they've got a number one receiver in Michael Pittman that's really coming into his own this year. He's the deep threat that they haven't had in a long time. And you combine that with the fact that they got maybe the best running back in football right now with, yeah. with Derrick Henry's sideline and Jonathan Taylor. That's making Carson's life a lot easier. And, and Wentz is pushing the pocket. He's aggressive. He'll make some mistakes. But he's really done a good job of keeping the ball this year. He's only got three interceptions. Um, 17 touchdowns. The stats will tell you he's playing pretty well. My eyes tell me he's playing pretty well. He'll have some mistakes, but but he needs he needs a signature win. He doesn't have one. He needs a signature moment as this team's quarterback. He's just kind of been like B to B plus, and he needs to be a little bit better if they want to climb into the elite of the AFC 
and it kind of really starts on Sunday. But he's been good, um, but he's definitely not, you know, MVP or 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 an elite quarterback. He's mm. still kind of hovering beneath that, in my estimation. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like, has he had? an opportunity to unravel in one of these big games or is it just kind of like a okay you just have to see him take the bull by the horns and actually grab grab one of these wins against an elite AFC team like what the Bills are showing to be through the first 10 games yeah he, he did it in San Francisco they played a really rainy game out there on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago and it was one of those late game moments they got a third and 10 and, and they just threw a go route to Pittman on the right side and, and Wentz under threw it a little bit but it ended up being the touchdown that effectively put the game away another thing in this and this is no fault of the quarterback the dude's literally has this crazy foot injury in training camp that, that cost him three weeks and then he turns his ankle on an Aaron Donald sack against the Rams and it was it was gruesome man it was like rough to watch he played the next week which is absurd like he should have been out three weeks he fought his way back and he played, and that earned a lot of respect in the locker room. Like, these guys really like playing with Carson. But the first month of the season, he was hurt. Like, he just wasn't the same player. And and I'm not going to hold that against him. So he started to heat up the last couple of weeks. He had trouble with the Jags' defense. And I know the Bills are aware of how kind of sneaky good the Jags' defense is. Mm-hmm. And, and he had trouble last week against the Jags. But he can definitely, I don't want to say light it up, but he can take the top off a of defense a couple times a game. He's got the arm to do it. They've really started to hit on some big plays with Pittman. So there's that in there. That's in there. It just took him a while. And, and to combine that with the fact that the line was a mess early on. And this is the Colts offensive line, right? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be one of the best in the league. Quentin's been hurt. Ryan Kelly was hurt. Eric Fisher's coming off an Achilles. Braden Smith missed five or six games. Like It was an absolute disaster the, the the offensive line the first couple of weeks and you're not going to win when your entire offense is built around that unit so it just took them time now whether the hole was too big to climb out of we'll see but they're in they're in a spot they're five and five and they've got a spot at the playoff chance at the playoffs yeah i mean i i, I think they're a better team than like the broncos i think they're a better team than the than the browns certainly um yeah with with we'll what see. they are now yeah. yeah so like they've 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 definitely got a shot um I, i'm curious about Quentin Quentin Nelson Nelson because it, it, just peeping the Jaguars film you know obviously one game is not representative of the whole thing but I saw him like on the ground a lot more than I expected him to be like yeah. you know his reputation is just this dominant overwhelming dude and he kind of seemed like he was letting some defenders by and like you said the Jaguars not not t- such a horrible defense but it 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 kind of struck me for a surprise. He's struggling, and, and he? I don't mean that like he's he's not playing well, but he's hurt. Mm-hmm. He he has a high ankle sprain that he's essentially playing through. He had a back issue in early in the season that cost him a couple weeks, and and he's got a toe as well. And and it's it's just he's got to play. Like he's basically telling the trainers like I have to play. And I had a long talk with him today, actually, not to tease a story for next week, but he finally opened up about it. Um, he sets such high standards that when he doesn't play as well as he's used to, he gets pretty hard on himself. So, you know, he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Donald in week two and held his own and, and, act- and actually, you know, threw Donald out of the bar a couple times on some snaps. And that doesn't happen very often. But he's hurt right now, and he's playing through it, and he's just not the same dominant force. Now, the fact is, he can still give you a lot. There was a play last week where he literally pushed Jonathan Taylor that final yard to get into a touchdown. So, He's not the same dominant force, uh, but he can still give you some good snaps. And this line early last week was unbelievable. They were creating lanes that were as wide as a highway for JT. Then the Jags really started to figure it out. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if they can run against the Bills, because obviously the Colts are going to run everything through JT. Yeah, and and they would be right to do so because the Bills might be without their top uh, run stuffing defensive tackle. Uh, it's it might not be pretty for them, and their their defensive tackle depth is not the best at the moment. So that could be a potential pitfall pitfall for them. Um, flipping it over to the defensive side, just because you know I wanted to focus a lot on offense because uh, there's so many interesting pieces to the Colts' offense. Yeah, um, defensively. I started. I saw Darius Leonard today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. I saw him allude to uh, 
I I have an ankle. It's attached or something like that. What is happening? Right. What is happening? Because he is just like Quentin Nelson. He is um, one of their marquee guys. Definitely their marquee guy on the defensive side of ball balls. And uh, what has he done this year that is maybe not what you expect based on that injury? Yeah, I mean this guy's playing through a, another high ankle sprain. Wow. And it, That's bad luck. So, yeah, it's it's both of these guys. And and then you had Carson earlier in the year, and it's kind of been the story of their season. Mm. I'll give Darius credit, dude. That dude is tough, man. He's got nine takeaways in 10 games. He's got nine takeaways in 10 games. And watch out for the forced fumble. I guarantee you the Bills' offensive coaches are talking to every one of their ball carriers and ball handlers this week about 53 and those long-ass arms that he has because he <laughs> punches the ball out. He's actually punching the ball out with more frequency than any defensive player since Peanut Tillman. That dude had like 45 punch outs in his career. Which I remember that that one season where he was ridiculous with it. He had four in one game, which wow. is crazy to think about. Yeah, um, That's been the saving grace of this defense. It's not a very good defense, in my opinion. It's playing a little bit better. The pass rush has been very mediocre. Mm-hmm. They're banking on two young guys, and they're starting to play better. But really, for the most part, They've given quarterbacks way too much time. Darius is not as fast as he used to be. He's not nearly as good in coverage, but he will take the ball away, and that's their saving grace. They've got decent corners. Kenny Moore's great. Rocky Sin's playing better, but the problem is it's safety. Julian Blackman's out for the year with an Achilles. Kari Willis is on IR. They're playing guys at safety that weren't even here in training camp, right? Mm-hmm. So they're just they're just hoping the safeties aren't a big factor in the game, and it's a dangerous way to play, especially with a strong-armed quarterback. Like Allen, it's just they're just playing with fire, and and if unless they can get to him and make his life miserable, and and maybe they can, um, that's something the Bills are going to look to exploit because the the Colts secondary is very leaky right now. Yeah, and Xavier Rhodes is it was out this past game. What is his status at the moment? And even if he were able to play, is he anything close to the difference maker that he was last year for them, and maybe no, even earlier in his no. career? Not even close. Okay. I mean, if I'm the Colts, I wouldn't play him. I mean, he's been that bad this year. And I know wow. he's dealing with the calf, but like his play is just if I'm Josh Allen or Tom Brady next week, the Colts play the, the Bucks next week, like I'm going right at Xavier Rhodes. He's just been he's been really poor in coverage this year. And they've got a kid named Isaiah Rogers who's probably not as technically sound as Xavier, but he hustles and he gives mm-hmm. you some effort. And that's I mean, you're not even getting that from Xavier. So um if he doesn't play, which we'll see. I still think they go with Rodgers because Xavier's been – he's just been picked on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and did did Rodgers split snaps with TJ Carey last week? Is that what they did? Yeah, and it, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. TJ Carey just got back from a knee injury, but mm-hmm. it wasn't pretty either way. Okay, yeah. I, I'm, the secondary is the thing that I was trying to, like, pin down because I – Kenny Moore is awesome, like you said. He's just – he's just – uh He's a really fun player, and he actually got a lot of uh, acclaim from Stefan Diggs, who spoke on Wednesday. They said he said that Moore might be uh, the best nickel in the league that he's seen. So, oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's high praise. Yeah. yeah, Kenny, Kenny's a he's a pain in the ass to play against. He's just he's up in the box. He's he's great in coverage. He's he's everything you want in that nickel. Yeah. So, uh, yeah this this Colts team, it, it's just the the whole of them. They're it, they're just kind of a confusing roster because it's. Should be good, but the injuries have made it not so good. And it, that's why it's – I don't know that Bills fans really have like a, a full um, a full handle on what this Colts team is because they've been so up and down this season. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. And and they really if, – if you want to like classify the Colts, like where are they at? They're just kind of mediocre. Like they beat bad teams, but they don't beat good teams. And if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to have to beat some good teams. I don't know. I think if, a lot of it's just going to come down to what version of Wentz you get. Mm-hmm. He can be really good, and we've seen that. But in the biggest moments this year and against the best teams, they just haven't finished the game, and it starts with the quarterback. Um, they've got the potential to do it, and you've, you've got Pittman and you've got Taylor. So there's always those home run chances, right? Those. I mean, Taylor's got two runs of 80 yards this year. He mm-hmm. can take one to the house anytime he touches the ball. I don't love the secondary. Um, I just think the Bills are – probably better in a lot of areas, but the Colts, they're, I think they're going to play well. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they're going to give the Bills a good test. We shall see. It's, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a close game. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, um, Zach, 
I want to thank you so much for doing this and taking the time out to do this because uh, your expertise on the Colts is awesome. Got a lot of good nuggets in there. So thank you so much for, for uh, jumping on the Buffalo Beat today. This is fun. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you on Sunday at the game. All right. Sounds good. That was Zach Kiefer, our Colts writer at The Athletic. All right. Well, so much interesting stuff coming from Zach Kiefer. Uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter. He's it, It's Zach with a K, not Z-A-C-K. Um, he's awesome uh, and really on top of anything Colts related. And certainly gave us a lot of things to think about with this matchup, both for positive reasons from a Bills perspective and negative reasons from a Bills perspective. So when you watch the film, and I I alluded to a a bunch of it from our conversation with Zach, like you see some elements of this game or, or of this team that you would expect to be a lot better than it is. And then other areas were like, whoa, they're really good in that spot. Like Quentin Nelson, it was something that shocked me. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad the, the few reps that I saw him kind of struggled to keep his feet underneath him was indicative of maybe his whole season here because, you know, high ankle sprains are pretty painful, especially, and they're tough to come back from effectively. So within a confines of a season, but he's kind of gutting it out. And the same thing with Darius Leonard. I mean, those two guys are really a core identity of this Colts team uh, for, for them. So for this matchup, I think the from a defensive perspective, I think this is where the Bills are, weirdly enough, going to have the most trouble. And we haven't been able to say that a ton this year just because the Bills defense has been so dominant all season except for the Titans game. Like, you think about their losses – Really, it's it's only the Titans game that they've been pushed, and the Derrick Henry led rushing attack got them, and then play action really crushed them uh, through the second half of that game. But the Steelers' loss, thought the Bills' defense played really well in that game. The Jaguars' loss, they only allowed nine points, and they. They performed really well with their backs up against the wall after the Bills turned them all over a bunch. So that those weren't the, their fault. The six wins, the Bills' defense has been really stinking good in all of them. So now you have a matchup with an Indianapolis team that I think is a bit of perfect timing from a Colts perspective to meet the Bills this week. So we don't know yet if Star Latulale is going to be able to play in this game at defensive tackle. And I outlined a lot of the concerns about the defensive tackle group past Harrison Phillips and Ed, and Ed Oliver. Like Vernon Butler and F.A. Obata, if they're out, out there at the same time, the Colts should run the ball every single play. And those guys had struggles against the Jets, who, like I mentioned before, have a really bottom-tier offensive line. The Colts are one of the most talented and well-coached offensive lines in the league. Like, you watch them it from the end zone angle on film. It's so fun to watch because even if some guys are injured like Nelson or things like that, when you're watching them go downhill and and finding and feeding their way to blocks, it's just like they have an intrinsic, intrinsic sense of where their guy next to them is going to go. They just pick up everybody that they need to, and they open up uh, a big rushing lane. And they also open up a bunch of cutback lanes for Jonathan Taylor. And so it's just a really fun rushing offense to watch and certainly going to be a handful for the Bills to, st- to stop, even if they did have Starla Tulelay into the lineup. So if the Bills put Butler out there with F.A. Obata, I don't even... Do anything else if you're the Colts. Just run the ball and make those two guys prove that they can hold the point of attack because they have not, they did not show that on film last week. So that is a point of emphasis I would expect for Indianapolis to take advantage of that matchup, especially with how other offensive line plays. The other part of it is the Bills are going to be without Tremaine Tremaine Edmonds in this game. And A.J. Klein performed really well against uh, the Jets. Certainly a lot better in pass coverage than I was expecting him to. But 
I do think that this is an opportunity for the Colts to hit this matchup at the right time. Edmonds, he's had a career year as a run defender this year, in my opinion. He certainly had his best season as a pro in totality. Like we've seen stretches for him over his first three seasons, but like he's putting it all together this year. And it's been really intriguing to watch. And I, I I would bet that the Bills think there's even more to uncover there for Tremaine Edmonds, which is kind of ridiculous to think about because he's been one of their best starters this season. So not even having him in the lineup is, uh, that's an issue. But I think with A.J. Klein, his lack of size might really be an issue against the Colts here uh, in this game. So you take Edmonds out, and he's he's a good sideline-to-sideline guy. Also, the speed of Klein is going to be an issue, especially against this running back in particular, or these running backs, I should say. Jonathan Taylor, if he gets a little bit of a lane, whew, he can make you pay in a hurry. Like He is playing like the best running back in the league right now. And the offensive line is certainly giving him some room to roam. But this guy maximizes his runs all the time. And if you give him even a little bit of room in at, at the second level, he can bust it out to a 30, 40, 50-yard gain. Like, this guy is legit. And Naheem Hines is a pretty good number two running back and certainly gives them an element as a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield that uh, a, a lot of teams don't have that luxury. So those two guys are, are certainly something to keep an eye on here. But I think that that would be the biggest area of concern if you're, if you're the Bills. Being able to limit Jonathan Taylor and not getting it to the point in which it feels like what it was like in 2020 when the Bills were without Latula didn't have a, a bunch of size whenever uh, Phillips would leave the field and and getting having the matchup devolve into that way and creating a lot of closer contests. That's going to be a a big a a big factor in the outcome of this game, I would expect. So if the Bills are able to stymie the run if they were to be without Latula that is, in my mind, and even without Zimmer and Edmonds on top of it, in my mind, that is one of their most significant and impressive performances of the season, if they're able to do that. But I'm expecting that the Colts will have a pretty good amount of success on the ground in this game. And that leads to what I believe will be a pretty close game. Then you go to the other side of the ball. Uh, I think... I think the secondary, if we're just going to stick with the defense real quick, I think the secondary is going to do well enough against the Colts. Um, Tredavious White, I would expect him to be with Michael Pittman quite a bit. I would expect a lot of attention to Michael Pittman, maybe even bracketing him with a safety and and with, uh, with Tredavious White. But that's all because the Colts really don't have a counterpunch at wide receiver. Zach Pascal, Pascal is just a guy. T.Y. Hilton is not the same guy as he once was. He's not getting separation on his routes. Just not not there anymore. He he looks like a guy who's at the end of his career, and he's had a really good career, but he the, the speed, once the speed goes for those types of guys, we saw it with John Brown last year, once the speed goes, then there's not really a good counter um, to what they can do on the field. So and none of those other receivers would scare me if I'm the Bills. And so limiting Pittman will be a big focus, and I think they'll be able to consistently do that, which could lead to some turnover opportunities against Carson Wentz. On the offensive side of the ball, I think the Bills have every opportunity to just come out firing through the year. And I, I think we'll we'll see a bit more 11 personnel this time because, um, you know, the, the Colts are a bit stouter up front at their def- along their defensive line in terms of run defending so and they'll be expecting a lot of uh heavier packages based on what they saw last week against the Jets but I think 
the Bills, even out of those personnel packages, out of 11 personnel, maybe even mix in some four wide receiver, uh, a, a lot more than they did last week. I think that's a way to attack this Colts team because they are, as Zach Kiefer pointed out, they are really thin in the secondary. Their safeties are guys that they're just trying to get by with. Their cornerbacks, uh, Kenny Moore is great as a nickel corner. Um, and Rocky Sin plays really well in, in zone coverage, at least in my view from what I've seen. But then you've got you've got Isaiah Rogers or TJ Carey or Xavier Rhodes. Like there, are, there will be deep shots available. And I also think Dawson Knox could have a, a sneaky big uh, uh, imprint on this game uh, based on the matchup, especially with how Darius Leonard is is kind of hobbling around that on that high ankle sprain. So I think the Bills can can spray the ball around and be able to really have some success deep down the field against this Colts team. And that could be the X factor to them winning this matchup and making sure that they control this game as opposed to letting the the Colts rushing attack on the other side of things just control the game and, and have that success that, I quite frankly, I'm expecting them to have. So there's a ton of different elements here. Um, the, the other line of concern here is the defensive line uh, from the Colts. Just based on, you know, without Spencer Brown because he's on the reserve COVID list. That probably means Daryl Williams is going to be back out at right tackle. That would be my expectation just based on what we've seen previously. Uh, Ike Bucker will remain at left guard as he has been. And then I would expect Cody Ford gets another chance. Because I do think Cody Ford had a better game than what people gave him credit for in that Jacksonville one. Uh, as a pass blocker especially. So, um, all of those things considered, the Colts defensive line slightly above average I would say DeForest Buckner is a star defensive lineman don't get me wrong but the Colts have been so inconsistent everywhere else that teams can give him a lot of attention and and that's what I'm expecting from the Bills the the key to unlocking the passing offense in my mind will be Quiddy Pay against Deion Dawkins if Dawkins can handle that matchup the way that he's supposed to against a rookie player who has had some success in recent weeks like in two of his last three games, uh, Quiddy Pay has had close to a pressure rate of close to 20%, which is really stinking good. Um, but there's also been two games early in the season where he's failed to get a pressure. And in five of his eight games, he's had a, a pressure rate of under 7%, which is not good. So that matchup, I think, is going to be a huge component as to how successful the Bills can be through the air at a consistent basis. If they can control the line of scrimmage as well as I think they can, then this passing attack should be able to to get things going pretty well here. So the matchup is, I think the uh, the line on the game is a little bit a little bit more um, far out than I was expecting. And certainly, based on the film that you see from the Colts, you're like, okay, why is this line as big as it is? And a lot of it leads me to believe that uh, that it has to do with the Bills' recent success and them getting back to home and people thinking, okay, they just crushed the Jets by 28 points. Here you go. A seven-point spread? Locked in for the Bills. They're at home. I think it's going to be closer than that. So in this game, getting to my prediction, I think the Bills will win this game. I do. I think they they have too many advantages, whether it be their secondary against Carson Wentz, um, their passing attack against the Colts secondary. I do think they could even run the ball a little bit better, um, uh, at least a little bit against this Colts defense. So there will be some opportunities to get the offense moving. I don't think this will be a... Um, I don't think this will be a game where the offense struggles to put up points, put up yards, everything like that. I think it might be a little bit of a throwback game, honestly, where the Bills offense has to win this one rather than depending on the defense to completely shut it down. That Colts running game is legit. And I think they will have success if Latula can't play. And even if he can, I still think they're going to have success. They're just that well coached. Taylor is that good. And um, that's going to be the real big point here the 
area that I believe that the Colts might struggle is to take advantage of play action against the Bills because they just don't have the full stable of receivers that allow them to fully um, take advantage of getting the linebackers to come down and and you know get behind them. So I'll take the the Bills to win this one. I think the Colts are going to cover. It's a seven-point spread. It's a little bit too big for my liking. So I think the the Bills will win. Colts will cover. And I'll take the over. And the over-under is 49.5. So I've got the Bills winning this one 27-23, to hitting the over just barely. And uh, the Bills getting to 7-3 and on the season after a hard-fought game. So we'll see what happens. It's a... I think this is going to be their closest win of the season so far. And I think the Colts are playing really well right now. They look like a playoff team. They've got a really big uh, next few games on their schedule coming up. So we'll see if they're actually going to be a playoff team. But this is definitely one of the, the better teams that the Bills have faced this season. All right. So that's going to do it for me. The next time you'll hear from me will be after the game when I'm with Matt Beauvais for our post-game edition and to see if the Bills can successfully capitalize on a victory at home to get to 7-3 and three on the season. Should be fun. All right. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you on Sunday night. See you then.